There are other options for lobbying in person. You can attend a committee hearing and share your story there. So most state and local government hearings are accessible to the public, but the federal ones are invite only. That sounds a very exclusive invite only. It does, really? <laughs> yeah, it really does. Welcome to the United She Stands podcast, the show that brings kindness and women into politics. I'm Ashley. And I'm Sarah. And we're two Midwestern women from Ohio who have a passion for kindness, lifting others up, and making a difference. Our experience in corporate America has taught us both to build and navigate all kinds of relationships and lead groups of people. When it comes to politics, however, there is nothing official about us. We're just two gals who want to be better educated on the U.S. government and learn how we, as women, can make an impact together. Each episode, we will bring our listeners along on our own educational journey. And we'll also share real-life experiences from women involved and impacted by politics. And we'll try to make it as fun as possible. We're so glad you're here for the ride. Wow, that was beautiful. Welcome back to the United She Stands podcast. And what a way to kick us off. Thanks for the beer crack, Ash. What are you drinking today? Today I have pumpkin pie ale from Taft's Brewing. Thank you, Maggie and CK, for leaving this in my beer fridge. Amazing. And I am drinking Strange Cattle from Matt Brewing in Bozeman, Montana. Shout out to Ashley and her husband for bringing back a bunch of beer from Montana. So remember when our awesome guest Jessica Connell said that wiping our ass is the bare, and pun intended, bare minimum we can do for our personal hygiene? And voting is the wiping of our ass of politics and our responsibility as American citizens. Well, I hope you do, because it's hilarious and also true. Election Day was at the beginning of November, as hopefully you all know. And we really hope you all made it out to the polls, either sent in your absentee ballot or wiped your ass in some sort of way. You saw the people you voted for either win or lose. Maybe that came with some emotions, and that's totally okay. Now we are at the point in our responsibility as Americans to hold our elected officials accountable for what they promised during their campaign, especially for issues you are passionate about. And we recognize how easy it is to disengage at this point, especially if some of the people you voted for lost. But that's really no excuse to tune out what's going on in politics and not participate. By not participating, we are giving elected officials, whether you like them and their stances or not, the ability to do whatever they want and make decisions based on assumptions and considering the perspectives of the people they actually do hear from. Not your thoughts, passions, and opinions because they're not hearing from you. Today, we're going to talk about how we can use your voice to see the change we want in the world. So, as always, before we kick it off, what did we know before researching for this episode? I knew I could, you know, sign petitions, and I always was sending my friends the online petitions, you know, easy click. My information was already in there from the last time. Good to go. I felt really great about myself. And then I also understood, you know, I could contact my elected officials, but I absolutely never took the time to research how. What about you, Ash? Yeah, so I feel like it was similar. Like, you know, you see the online petitions go around, you think, oh, okay, I can do this and it'll make a difference. I don't know if it ever really did make a difference. I felt like it never did. But I definitely knew that you could reach out to elected officials, but I didn't realize people actually did. Same. And like that it is actually beneficial right, and like makes a difference. To do. Yeah. So we're gonna talk about today. That's what you're supposed to do. We're gonna talk about how to go about doing that. But I had no idea that that was actually what 
people were supposed to do. I, I knew it was an option. I never thought once about doing it. Yep. So yeah, didn't know, didn't know too much. Don't know anything we're really going to talk about today. So, okay. So with that, let's jump into today's episode. We're going to cover three important steps when it comes to using your voice. Number one, do the research. Pick an issue you're passionate about and ensure you're up to date on everything that's going on with that specific issue. We're going to say start with one here. It's very overwhelming to do the research on on multiple things. So pick one, one that really impacts you, one that you're very passionate about. Pick one so you're not overwhelmed. It's scary to get involved and it's scary to put yourself out there. So start with one. Look at the issue from all perspectives. We know this is probably really hard to do, but you need to talk to the people on the other side of the issue. Who are those that are on the opposite side of your stance? What are they saying? It's almost like your debate team in high school, you know, where you were assigned a topic and you had to basically prep for both sides of the argument. I don't know if anybody's ever done that. I was on, um, what was it called in school? It was like you pretended to be... Oh, a mock mock trial. trial. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I was in mock trial. I was like, I really, really struggle with that. Anyway. Yeah, I was in mock trial and we would have to prep both sides because you didn't know till you got there which side you were arguing. I'll be honest, I don't, I want to say my school didn't have like a debate team or like mock trial. Um, We had like the bare minimum basics. (laughs) But I mean, also, I wouldn't have seeked them out if they were available. So they could have been there and I just don't know. (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. So the point is, read articles on the opposite side, understand the opposing side. And really, you know, avoid confirmation bias. So confirmation bias is that tendency we have to find information that confirms our beliefs. We want to avoid that. We want to understand the issue that you're passionate about, that you're researching holistically. So while you're looking at the opposite side, you know, this can really help you determine solutions that could be inclusive of both sides or gasp. Oh, my God, we could even compromise. What? No, is such a crazy concept these days. So the point is. Understand the issue from all sides. Engage with the people that maybe view the issue differently than you. You also want to figure out what level of government is most relevant to communicate with on this specific issue. So, for example, huge pothole you hit every day and cuss at from the comfort of your own car? Probably best to reach out to your local government. Let's say we're unlucky enough to find ourselves in another pandemic during our lifetime and the state is in control of the response and you don't love how the governor is handling it. You guessed it. State government here. Let's say reproductive rights. How timely. State and federal government. If you're not sure, start at the most local level possible and move up from there based on how they direct you. The most local level will probably be the most responsive as you are a constituent and they care about what you have to say and they're not as large as, say, the federal government. You also want to figure out where your elected officials fall on your specific issue. You could already know this from voting research, but if not, here are some ways you can find out. You can literally look up the officials' voting records. I did not know this. I think this is crazy. I knew that you could do that for the federal government, but I don't know if I knew you could do it anywhere else. I am shook. There are so many websites that you can use. We will list them all in the show notes, but there is issuevote.org, Vote Smart, um, and a few others that we'll list, but you can literally see what they voted on issues and get more information. I just think it's amazing, question mark. <laughs> Good for us. I mean, I guess if you're an elected official, you know what you're getting into. But wow, that's cool. I mean, it makes sense, right? Like, literally, we elected them. Totally. Yeah, they work for us. So <laughs> they work. we should get to know what they do. 
They work for us. That's right. I love that. You can also read articles about their views. You can also just call them and ask. You can either talk to someone from their office or ask to speak with them, you know, depending on what level you're reaching out to um, or just the availability of the representative in general. You know, I'm sure it'll depend on who you actually get on the other side of the phone. But this is totally something you can do. You can do research around if this official could have any reason to take special interest in the issue you're bringing up. So maybe something based on their personal life experience, sitting on a committee relating to the issue, etc. There are also sites where you can see if there's any relevant organizations that give money to this representative, like opensecrets.org, and we'll link this as well. You also want to know what's going on with that specific issue. Is there any relevant upcoming or existing legislation? You can use this to help validate the priority of the issue. If there's no legislation around it, you can argue this important issue is being ignored and that must change. So all of that is step one. Step one. So step two. Step two is lobbying. So what does lobbying mean? According to our friend Google, it means seek to influence a politician or public official on an issue. You can do this in multiple ways. And of course, some are more effective than others. You can do relatively easy things like sign a petition or post on social media. Petitions aren't super influential because it's hard for your elected official to confirm the signees are actual constituents of theirs if the petitions don't ask for things like an address. The same thing goes for social media. It's hard for them to confirm you're a real constituent in their district. So remember, our elected officials want to best represent their constituents, aka those who live in their specific districts. So it's better to take a route where they are sure you are a constituent when contacting them. You can contact them via phone, email, or even visit their office in person if that's possible. And to my disbelief, this information is really just a quick Google search away. I literally, as I was researching, I typed in to Google, who is my state senator from my district? So remember, the state has a Senate too. This is what I was searching for, not the two senators from my state that represent us at a federal level. One of the first options from my search was my state legislature site. From there, I selected which part of the state in which I live, and it gave me my state senator. There was also an option to see my representation from the House of Representatives of Ohio. But for my state senator, which I selected, it brought me to his page, and then I simply clicked on the contact tab at the very top. I got the address and phone number of his office, and even the option to fill out a contact form with my information and message that gets sent to him. Bada bing, bada boom. This took maybe three minutes. Just like that. Participation in democracy. (laughs) Just, well, I didn't type a message, but like, just like that, it's at my fingertips. There you go. You can, though. You can participate. (laughs) You can. You can. Yes, absolutely. So it's important to remember, though, that the more personal the interaction, the better. This gives officials a much better idea of who you are as a person and constituent and how they can best serve you. A direct quote from our favorite book, After You Vote, when you put abstract problems in terms of real people, change is often accelerated. So whether you're composing a message over email or coming up with what to say during a phone call or in-person visit with your representative or a member of their staff, be sure to consider the following. Directly say whether you oppose or support the issue. Include a personal story. Share how this issue affects the area in which you live and other constituents that are not yourself. You also really want to be clear with your ask or request. Are you asking for legislation to be created based on this? Does legislation already exist? And if so, are you asking your representative to vote one way or the other? 
Either way, just be very clear in what you're asking. It also helps to include stories and data whenever you can. Again, the personal stories and, you know, there's power in numbers and that goes for using numbers for um, making a point. We love data. There are other options for lobbying in person. You can attend a committee hearing and share your story there. So most state and local government hearings are accessible to the public, but the federal ones are invite only. That sounds a very exclusive invite only. (laughs) Yeah, it really does. These are great ideas to share your stance with elected officials and their offices. But how can you more broadly share your perspective to influence policy? That brings us to number three. Yes. And number three is share your perspectives to influence others. Why is it important to influence others? Maybe folks in your community aren't as passionate about said issue as you are. That could be for multiple reasons. They could have different life experiences. Maybe the issue doesn't affect them directly, or they just really aren't knowledgeable on the topic. You can be the person to help educate them on why you're passionate and give them your perspective so they can understand why it's important or why they should participate in the cause. Your voice can be the one that shifts the priority of an issue in your community. What? Let's hear that one again for the people in the back. Your voice. Do you really want to hear it again, sir? Your <laughs> voice can be the one that shifts priority for an issue in your community. So get out there. Get out there. So how can you do this? It may sound silly and old school, but you can write a letter to the editor, which is a response to an article already written, or you can write an op-ed, which is short for opposite the editorial page. And typically, the articles on this page are more commentary and opinion-based. When I was reading this, I was like, wait, do people actually read these things, especially those in, involved in government and our elected officials? But the answer is actually yes. Elected officials and or their offices often read the letters to the editor and op-eds to really get the vibes of the community. And of course, anyone else can read it too, which is where the larger influence piece comes in. So that part is so interesting to me because I would really want to like dig in further into like if millennials or anyone younger than millennials like use this stuff, right? Like how else are politicians hearing from community i don't know like this to right. me that seems like a not to stereotype but that seems like a very much like an older generation thing right like this was like dur- during this research was the first time that i have heard of an op-ed in general yeah like i knew what they were but yeah i can't tell you i've ever read one but like it's actually it's actually an effective way to communicate your voice we're learning something new every day right that's why we're here we're all learning together in 2016 the foreign policy interrupted an organization that addresses the disparity among female and male foreign policy expert representation in the media, found that on average, men make up 81% of the op-eds written about foreign policy and national security for the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, Washington Post, and the LA Times. That is extremely high. That means women make up like in the teens, 19%. So I just want to like, if you haven't listened Go back and listen to episode two. Episode two, gender Gender gaps gaps in American politics, because exactly where my head went with this one. Yep, no doubt. You can also participate in protests and marches to influence. But this brings us back to the elected officials not knowing if the participants in the protests are actually their constituents. However, protests are a great way to build community around a common passion or goal and a great activity to support a cause in addition to the more direct ways that we talk about in this episode. So let's take a minute and talk about if you do want to stage a protest. There's a couple steps here. First, 
don't go it alone. Find like-minded people and discuss your intentions. You don't need a large coalition to plan, but you will be more successful if you do this in a group. Numbers signify support of the issue to your legislators. Determine a clear message and details like if you'll make signs, have a chant, or wear something specific, etc. Second, choose a leader. Lift up the person with the most leadership presence. Movements can fall apart without good leadership. Make sure the group you gather has a strong leader to look to. Be sure to choose a location and a date. Pretty important step. Protests have to be in a public space to be legal, so make sure you choose a public location. As far as date and time go, you should think about your objective. Is your objective to get the most people to gather? Weekends are probably your best bet then. Is your objective to get the attention of a corporation? It may make sense to protest outside those offices during the week while everyone's there. Next, determine if you need a permit. For the most part, your right to protest is protected by your First Amendment. There are situations where this is not true and you will need a permit, like if you're going to interrupt the flow of traffic, for example. Permits usually need to be obtained weeks in advance of the event, so plan ahead. Next, tell everyone. Everyone! Literally everyone. Tell everyone about your protests. The more people you have involved, the more likely your legislators will pay attention. Don't just tell them you're protesting, though. Share why you're protesting. Share the intention behind it. Share the cause you're passionate about. Share news and information about all of this. Lastly, plan for how your protests will go down and be safe. Have a plan for how your protests will play out. You should know things like the route you'll march if you're going to march, the speeches that will happen if you're going to have speeches, and the length of the event, etc. Know your rights as a protester and peacefully exercise those rights. Emphasis on peacefully. You have the right, in fact, it's your very first one in the Constitution to get loud and speak out about what you believe in. So, all of this will end by saying, do the work and the research. But as we've said in previous episodes, do not let the fear of not knowing everything keep you from participating. Your experiences, perspectives, and your voice matters. Okay, Sarah. So before we wrap, I'm going to ask you a question. Bum, bum, bum. Are you ready? Ready. What one action that we talked about during this episode are you going to commit to take in 2023 to participate in democracy? Wow. Really putting me on the spot? I really am. I kind of love it, though. <laughs> okay. I... Hmm. In terms of issue, I will have to get back to you on. But in terms of contact, I will personally commit to contacting a official or an elected official via phone call. What are you feeling? State, local? Ooh, I want to start. I want to start local because that's where we can make the most impact. And you know, I'll be a constituent of a smaller district as opposed to my whole state or the whole nation. So I feel like I feel like that's a good kind of dip in my toes into participation. I love that. What about you? So same thing. I feel like I need to like pick which issue because I feel like there's several that I'm passionate about. So I need to like narrow it down. But I will commit to writing an op-ed. Yeah. <laughs> do that. Mostly because I feel like more comfortable in written word, I think. Yeah. Like, yeah. But yeah, so I'm going to commit to writing an op-ed. I'll try like the first three months of 2023, I'll say. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, I will say the first three months as well. And y'all heard it here first. Please hold us accountable. You know, come end of March, if we have not provided an update on these promises, call us out. Call us out. Yes, for sure. And then I'm going to flip this to everyone listening. Pick one thing, one thing you want to get involved with. How are you going to participate in democracy? within the first quarter of 2023. All right, you want to wrap it? Let's wrap it. So let's quickly recap before we send you on your way to do some amazing advocating and lobbying. 
There are three steps when it comes to successfully using your voice to lobby. One, do the research, but also hear the perspectives from the other side of the issue. Number two, lobby. Contact the appropriate representative via email, phone call, or in-person appointment for the most direct and effective form of communication. All of this contact information is just a Google search away. Can literally type in, who is my state senator for my district? Number three, influence policy and others. You can write a letter to the editor or an op-ed to get the attention of not only your elected officials, but also influence members of the community and show them why your specific issue is important. You can also organize a protest and invite us. Overall, any way you can use your voice, do it. All right, we're really going to wrap here, but we just want to end with some sources. As always, we'll link them in the show notes. We use our favorite book ever, After You Vote by Courtney Emerson, as well as one we've mentioned before, A User's Guide to Democracy, How America Works by Nick Capitus and Hannah McCarthy as well as several websites. So we'll have all of those linked. Sarah mentioned some of them earlier, but things that you can check out. So we'll, we'll link all of that in the show notes. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. We appreciate you more than you know. If you appreciate us and our show, please hit the follow button and share this episode with anyone you think would enjoy it. You can also give us a follow on Instagram to stay in the know on all things United She Stands. The link is in the show notes. We'll see you next time. And remember, we We can can make make a difference in this world. Your voice can be the one that shifts the priority of an issue. (laughs) Your voice can be... Okay. Your voice. Your voice. (laughs) Now we have to sing about it. When you put in abstract problems, what? (laughs) That is not the quote, Sarah. Maybe focus in your community. (laughs) Maybe focus, focus, focus. Fuck, fuck. Same difference. (laughs) You're on a different level today. We should drink more. I need a drink. (laughs) There's beer in my throat. There's a snake in my throat. Wait, can I ask though why all of our fun facts are not like, fun? Not fun. Literally, we always say fun fact. Oh, not so fun. We should start a segment of not so fun facts. Not so fun facts, okay. but then follow up with a fun fact. Okay. So, okay, I'm gonna all right. Put that in. The, yeah, put that in the playbook for twenty three. <laughs>